Everybody, how's it going? This is Matt Schneidman, Bill Huber. This is our brand new Packers podcast on The Athletic called Head of the Pack. I know you guys have been asking about it for some time. It's finally here, just in time for the season opener against the Vikings in Minnesota, which is only a couple days away. We're coming to you on Tuesday. This is coming out Thursday, and we couldn't be happier to be here. My name's Matt Schneidman. As I said, a little bit about myself. This will be my second season covering the Packers. I covered the Raiders for two years before this. I'm 25, which is, you're probably like, what does this kid know about football? But, <laughs> you know, I like to think maybe I can bring you a, li- a little bit inside the Packers being there every day. Uh, my co-host, Bill. Bill, tell him about yourself. Yeah, you'll bring just a little bit, Matt. <laughs> um, I've been covering the Packers since 2008, so I've seen a lot, done a lot. But the good thing about it is we're all in year two under the floor. So from that perspective, we're all kind of in the same boat. Yeah, uh, and I think this year is especially interesting just to kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about all season because I think the Packers surprised a lot of people last season. Obviously, it was my first year on the beat, so I, I didn't see, you know, uh, their two non-playoff seasons before that kind of seasons plagued by nagging injuries to Aaron Rodgers. But this year, it's coming off an NFC Championship game appearance. The common sentiment seems to be that they weren't as good as their record indicated. They were 8-1 and one in one-score games. You know, my favorite stat from the season is they went 2-0 and oh against the Detroit Lions but did not lead for a <laughs> single second in either game because Mason Crosby, as you guys know, had walk-off field goals in each game. But, you know, what you can expect from us this year, we're going to be coming to you once a week, talking about what we see every day, bringing you inside the stories uh, of the coaches, executives, players, you name it, on the team, insights and previews, um, stuff that we can't really fit into our stories that are posted on the web. I obviously write for The Athletic. Bill writes for Sports Illustrated. So not the same outlet, but a lot of, a lot of stuff overlaps since we're both there every day. So we're excited to be here with you guys, uh, and hope you stay along for the ride. What we're going to get into today is a little bit of just brief season preview, and then obviously touch on the Viking game, Vikings game a little bit and, uh, take some listener questions. Uh, I put out a call on Twitter just a little bit ago and we already have, you know, a dozen questions. So we'll answer some of those. So first off, Bill, I wanted to ask, and I think I, I was doing my fantasy football draft last night, and Aaron Rodgers was, I believe, the 13th rated quarter. And granted, fantasy is wow, different okay. than real life, but Aaron Rodgers was right above Daniel Jones in fantasy <laughs> rankings. You know, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, uh, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, all these guys were well ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And my question for you is, in season 16, at 36 years old, will turn 37 late this season, is Aaron Rodgers uh, still capable of carrying this team to a Super Bowl? I say yes. Um, you know, he doesn't have to do it alone like he had to for so many years. I mean, we, I mean, we all know the supporting cast and the defense is legit good. But I'm buying what Rodgers said to us here a couple of times over the last couple of weeks where he's... You know, A, it started with he somehow stumbled across some 2010 film. And he picked up on some things, and then he spent the offseason, because there was no offseason to, to have practice and all that, kind of self-reflecting and all these things. And I'm buying it, man. I don't know about you, but I, I believe him when he says that he's found some things. He's in a better place mentally, in a better place physically. And I am buying all this stuff. Um, you know, maybe I'm delusional, but I, I do believe that, that he's found some answers, because clearly he has not been... The guy everybody knows, um, he slipped 
pretty considerably, which is why he's number 13 in your fantasy drafts. But <laughs> I, I'm buying it. How about you, Matt? I am too. I mean, people say, oh, he, he didn't play that well last season. And granted, he, he didn't put up, you know, otherworldly numbers. Maybe that's an unfair assessment because we've come to expect so much from him. He threw 26 touchdowns, four interceptions, and f- threw for over 4,000 yards. I mean, that's still pretty oh, damn good. Uh, and they got within one game of a Super Bowl. And yeah, he he had that botched snap, and maybe he didn't play that well in the NFC Championship game, but I think we all know why the main reason they lost that game uh, was not him. And listen, I'm not trying to be a Rodgers homer, but I, I do think he's still capable of getting them to the Super Bowl. And, and like you said, it was really interesting when he told us last time he talked to us, you know, happiness is maybe an overlooked thing, but with Rodgers, he's probably the most scrutinized, one of the most scrutinized players in the NFL in terms of how happy he is with everything that's going on around him, whether it be how everything ended with McCarthy, how the tenure with LaFleur would start off, how he would feel after the Jordan Love pick. So it's not like we're just saying, oh, he's happy. Like everyone is talking about this guy's mood and he's here telling us, He's in a great place right now, and he's made some decisions in his life in this offseason, and I think everyone knows what he's talking about, um, and it's put him in a better place. And, and I've heard this talked about a lot um, during the offseason. I want to see if you buy into this theory that I don't want to say it pissed off Aaron Rodgers, but in Aaron Rodgers with that metaphorical chip on his shoulder and Aaron Rodgers who still feels like he has something to prove is even more dangerous. And when I say that, I mean a guy who wants to go out and show the rest of the NFL that his general manager made a mistake by drafting a quarterback who he probably intends to take over for him in two years. Do you think that even if Rodgers doesn't say it, there might be some hidden motivation there and it could bring out a little more in him? I think so. Um, I I think it's human nature. I mean, if they were to bring in someone to, hey, Matt, let me introduce introduce you to Joe Blow over here. He's going to be your co-writer this year. I mean, you'd be ticked, right? I well, think maybe you wouldn't be, well, yeah, if there was only <laughs> yeah. if, if there was only one spot for a beat writer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I do believe that I mean, he, he's got enough motivation anyways. Um, I've talked about this with him for, for years where I mean, he knows his place in NFL history and a lot of quarterbacks have won one Super Bowl. And that's where he's at. Not a lot of one, two or three. That's what he wants to get to. I mean, Tom Brady's won six. I mean, he's probably not going to get to six. But, you know, th- those are the guys that are. The historic guys are the guys that have won multiple championships. So I think he's always wanted to get to that spot. And then you add in, and, and you kind of mentioned it too, the, the scrutiny part. You know, I, I never covered the Giants with Eli Manning, for instance, but I can't imagine there's anybody in the league who gets who gets on more scrutiny than Rodgers over everything. You know, it's 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 Aaron Rodgers' fault with Mike McCarthy. It's Aaron Rodgers' fault with this. His body language is bad. It's all these things that, you know, and again, maybe it's maybe it's the same everywhere and I just don't know it, but he is always under the spotlight. I think he does have a lot to prove. Um, he's probably fed up with a lot of the so-called experts. So, yeah, I, I, I believe there's something to all these things. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point. And I remember him kind of talking about that two Super Bowl thing leading up to the NFC Championship game last year. He Listen, he understands what the word legacy means. He understands... Yep how monumental of a difference, at least in perception and legacy, there is with one Super Bowl and two. And right now, if you had to compare his legacy to his contemporaries, you would put him right alongside. Um, Yeah, yeah, you can say Aaron Rodgers 
could could be the most talented quarterback ever, but he's not the best. You got to give that right. to Tom Brady or whoever else you want to. Um, he's right alongside Drew Brees and Russell Wilson right now in terms of pedigree and and career accomplishments team wise. And I think he really wants to uh, elevate himself above that. And granted, Wilson probably has more time to get a couple more Super Bowls than Rodgers does, but. Uh, his career goal is probably to reach that tier right below Brady, whether that's two Super Bowls, three, whatever, and and kind of distinguish himself from that Breeze and, and Russell Wilson pack. And I think that's uh, I think that's a reasonable goal, and I think it's attainable because I do think the Packers still have people say, and, and I guess this is a good transition into our second topic: what we thought of the Packers' offseason moves. I don't know that there's been, and this is the great part about covering the Packers. They're always relevant. They're always talked about. And this offseason, they might have been the most talked about team just because of the offseason moves they made. And I think one game away from the Super Bowl, they got scrutinized a lot because of what they didn't do and what they did do. Uh, And I was saying, you know, I still think they have enough around Aaron Rodgers to get them to the Super Bowl, but whether it's the Jordan Love draft pick, whether it's the Kirksey signing, whether it's not really going after a wide receiver in the draft, not going after a wide receiver in the draft at all. What was kind of your general impression of what the Packers did this offseason uh, based on kind of what seems to be the public narrative about what they didn't do? Yeah, I can straddle both sides of the fence here. Um, when you get to the championship game, don't you have to go for it? I mean, look at the Saints. I mean, the Saints are, their salary cap is crippled. They are, they are, they are so far up a creek in the long run, but they don't care because Drew Brees is 105 years old and they're trying to win a Super Bowl for him. Uh, more power to him. I, I get that perspective. But I also understand the GM's perspective that he's got to build a team for the long haul. And at some point, Rodgers isn't going to be here. And, you know, when, when Brees leaves New Orleans, they're going to be horrendous. Unless the GM just hits two or three drafts out of the park, they're going to be terrible because they're, they're, they're screwed cap-wise. Well, Gutekunst isn't going to do that. He's going to try to get these guys set up to, to keep them relevant. And if you've got a quarterback, you're always relevant. I don't know if Jordan Love's any good. No idea whatsoever. But if he does pan out, I mean, I talked to, to Jim Nagy from the Super Bowl. Now, Jim's got some biases because he had Love at his game. But he told me that, if that he, A, he believes Love's going to pan out. And he says, this is going to keep the Packers relevant to 2040. So... Do you want? I, I, so again, I, I understand both vantage points. Where, man, it seems you're like you're, you're really letting an opportunity go by not adding to this roster. But if you get a quarterback that you truly believe in, how do you pass him by? So I, I will, I will, I will straddle the fence on that one, Matt. Yeah, I think the common perception, and, and it's understandable, is that when you're one game away from the Super Bowl, you make one or two moves to get you over the hump. But then you go back to the theory that you know. The Packers got fortunate with injuries or a lack thereof and uh, winning a lot of close games. And you you think there might be some regression to the mean this year. And that would lead us to say that they have to do more to kind of compensate for that this year, even though they were only one game away from the Super Bowl. So, yeah, they they weren't in great position salary cap wise to do a lot. I, I like the Christian Kirksey move best out of all of them. You know, I'm writing about Kirksey tomorrow, but um, what they've given him and the word on him out of camp, granted it is only practice, 
Um, it, it seems to be that he's an upgrade over Blake Martinez. And Brian Gutekunst even said that the other day, pretty much without directly saying it was, he gives us a little more speed and, and dynamic ability there in the middle of the defense than we've had in the past. So I think if you're looking at the areas that the Packers clearly needed to upgrade in middle linebacker, Christian Kirksey over Blake Martinez, we'll see if that's an upgrade defensive line they didn't do anything I think that's the that's the area of real question not only did they not sign anyone in free agency they didn't get anyone in the draft they're really hoping for a big year two jump from Kingsley Kiki but even so he's not on that first three it's still Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry and yeah everyone looks at oh you gave up 186 rushing yards before contact in the NFC championship game but they weren't very good before that either. They were 23rd and tied for 23rd in the league with 120.1 rushing yards allowed per game in the regular season. So it wasn't just that NFC Championship game. Then the big one everyone talks about is wide receiver. Um, and I understand that they see a lot in Alan Lazard and building off last season, and they're counting on Marquez Valdez Scantling to get his confidence back. But even beyond that, like you can't just assume I guess that Equinemius St. Brown and, and Malik Taylor are going to come in and, and light the world on fire and the best teams in in the league have a top th- a really formidable top three and even more receivers beyond that I mean you look at what the 49ers had you look at what the Chiefs had my goodness and you know the Packers might need a guy like that in their receiving core because they don't have that dynamic tight end like a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey someone who you know can double as a wide receiver almost Packers don't have that guy. At least we haven't seen it yet. So uh, I would say defensive line was the one area that surprised me that they didn't really do much to upgrade. And then I I hate to feed into the beast, the angry mob, but (laughs) I would have liked to see them do something at wide receiver. Sure, Alan Lazard and MVS could prove me wrong, Um, but... I would have liked to see them maybe add some add some depth there too. Yeah, I want to go back to what you're talking about with Kirksey a minute ago. Um, you remember Martinez last year? How many plays at practice did you ever see Blake Martinez drop 15 yards back in coverage and deflect a pass? Like zero. <laughs> but I mean, Kirksey had the interception early in camp. I remember him one day. He trailed Aaron Jones up the sideline and forced an incompletion like 30 yards downfield. I mean, Kirksey is this huge upgrade if he can stay healthy. Um, I mean, other, otherwise, what you're saying, I, you mean you knocked it out of the park. I, d- I don't understand how you play better run defense with the same defensive lineman other than you're actually going to play two linebackers and play some traditional defenses other than playing Raven Green at linebacker. But, I mean, you are, it, is, it is wishing and hoping that Tyler Lancaster is going to be better. It's wishing and hoping that Kingsley Kiki is going to make this big year two jump. It's wishing and hoping that Kirksey's going to stay healthy. Um, wishing and hoping that Oren Burks or Kamal Martin or whoever's there, you know, week eight, week 14, the playoffs is going to be better than what you had. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I know at one point in the offseason, Petten's talking about mentality and knockback and all that. But yeah, mentality is great, but, you know, and scheme is great too. But, it's you know, if, if the other team's X is better than my O, I'm going to lose, and I, I just don't know how they are considerably better to stop the run other than they have to delegate more resources, and and now you're opening things up to be beaten by the pass. Now, you know, maybe Alexander and King are, are good enough to let you do that, but I just I don't know, I don't understand it, Matt. I don't understand how you get to be a better run defense um, throwing Tyler Lancaster out there for 500 snaps again. Yeah, I, I agree, and 
I think this has been brought up a lot too in the Twitterverse and that they're just hoping for big second year and third year jumps from a lot of guys rather than looking for immediate proven help outside. You know, they're, they're looking for jumps from Kingsley Kiki, from Rashawn Gary. And let's not let the Smiths get off the hook with that run defense. The Smiths no, were right God that. awful in the NFC chain for as great as they were rushing the passer in the regular season. You know, Zedarius and Preston were lifeless against the run in the NFC Championship game, and that can't be forgotten what role they play in defending the run, too. It's not just Lancaster and Lowry uh, and Kenny Clark up there. So, yes, I would have liked to see them do a little bit more, but they have a pretty stern test in Dalvin Cook right off the bat, uh, who had some success against them last year in that first game since he didn't play the second game. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I want to get to some reader questions. I put out a call about an hour ago. For any questions you had, I have 13, so I'll just go through some right here. Uh, From Cathal McCabe, I believe, if I'm pronouncing that right, on Twitter. Do you think Rashawn Gary takes a big leap forward in year two? Now, all offseason, I have been naming Rashawn Gary as my breakout player of the year, and here's why. Maybe I'm buying the juice from Mike Smith. I love listening to that guy talk, Packers outside linebackers yeah. coach. Yeah. Um, but man, he really talked up Rashawn Gary a lot last year and basically said, once this kid gets a chance, he's going to show out. Like he's doing things in practice in terms of recognition and asking questions that I haven't seen. And then Gary comes back this year. He looks leaner. He looks in better shape. He was running bleachers in Texas all season in, in triple-digit temperatures, and he's up a spot on the depth chart. Granted, if the Packers picking an outside linebacker with the number 12 overall pick last year was a good decision, we can have that discussion another time, especially after you signed the Smiths in free agency. But, you know, Rashawn Gary was buried on the depth chart behind Kyler Fackrell and the Smiths last year. He shouldn't have been any higher, but there were unfair expectations lumped on him just because he was the number 12 overall pick. I think you're going to see a decent amount of three edge rusher sets this year. I think you're going to see sets where Zedarius shifts inside and Preston and Gary are on the edge. And I think you're going to see Rashawn Gary who might even get eight sacks just because, because of anything else, you know, people know who the Smiths are last year. It took them a while to be like, Oh my God, we should probably throw two guys, you know, at these players, these Smiths who are just wrecking us. And I think if they do that from the start this year, especially if Gary's on the field with them, it'll provide him with some more opportunities. So I, I think Rashawn Gary does take a big leap in year two. Yeah, I am. I am all in on Gary. Um, I, I, I'm fortunate um, when, when, when at training camp, I'm on the other, other side of the field than you are. So I, the, the outside linebackers practice right in front of me. He is so fast off the ball in his hand. I mean, his hand use is just is incredible. Where he, I mean, he's like a he's like a karate expert. Where you know the the lineman tries to get his hands up to block, I mean, and he just swats him out of the way. I mean, he is, I mean, he has got the full skill set of of speed, power, and looks like a pretty refined skill set. I mean, he's going to be a real handful. And like you were saying, if the, if people are going to block Zedarius with two, and maybe press him with two, two or or Kenny Clark, I mean, you can't you can't put two in all those guys. I I don't know how on earth. Um, you're going to stop Rashawn Gary one-on-one this year. He's going to have a fantastic year. I, I am totally buying. I'm, 
I'm I'm sipping Mike Smith's. I was gonna say tobacco juice. I, I'm <laughs> sipping Mike Mike Smith's Kool Aid. The guy I am I totally believe it. You know I and I talked to guys at Michigan too. Um, they swear by him. You know everything that Smith was saying. That's what those coaches are saying at Michigan when they drafted him. Now he's out of position. They said um, he was the kind of the setup guy there. They all say he works hard. He's full of talent. We just didn't put him in a position to put up all these great numbers and. Yeah, I, I believe he's going to have a really big year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So second question, and this kind of was out there this morning because of something he said on, on Good Morning Football. At what price should the Packers be willing to extend Aaron Jones? Um, I know you reached out to Chris Cabot, his agent, who uh, is is still probably reveling in the wealth of that Patrick Mahomes deal. He's Patrick Mahomes' <laughs> agent as well. But Chris Cabot's in an interesting position because he has Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And both of them are in, in a contract year right now. I think at what price should the Packers be willing to extend Aaron Jones? It's going to be tough because it's a very crowded running back market. And you just drafted a guy in the second round. I, I think you, you answer this one first because I'm really torn on this one on whether they should try and extend him or not because... I think he's a great player. He's obviously a great guy. But running backs in this league are just becoming more expendable. And I don't know yep. if you want to pay, uh, you know, over $10 million a year for Aaron Jones when you just drafted a guy in the second round. Yeah, I agree. I would, I would not pay him anything. I would let him walk. Um, for, for the reason that you said, you know, look at, look at some of the high pay. You had Todd Gurley. The Rams gave him, you know, umpteen million dollars after he had a couple really big years. You know, Todd Gurley's knee is in bad shape, and he, they end up cutting him. Um, Le'Veon Bell holds out for a, a, a gigantic contract, doesn't get it, sits out a season, goes to the Jets, does nothing last year. David Johnson gets a gigantic contract from the Cardinals. I believe he's got as many yards from scrimmage the last three years combined as he had in 2016. Combined! These are like the three highest paid running backs in the league, or they were last year. That's the position. You know, let's not forget, for all the um, criticism Mike McCarthy got for how he didn't use Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones was hurt. Aaron Jones had three MCL injuries in his first two years. It's hard, it's hard to put, it's hard to hitch the wagon to that guy. Um, so I, I understand McCarthy's thinking. He was unbelievable. That he was the most valuable Aaron, the most valuable player on the team. But the running back track record... Um, the, you, don't, you don't have a lot of cap space to begin with. And you've got Jamal Williams, who can probably sign for less, and he's drafted A.J. Dillon. Um, unless the running back market collapses, which is possible because this is a great class, and, you know, Dalvin Cook is among them. You know, in, unless the running back market goes flat just because of the number of names, I'm not touching them. Again, and plus, you got the salary cap going to go down next year, too. There's just a whole bunch of things working against this happening. I will not do it. Now, that being said, I think they do do it. <laughs> and I'm looking at over the cap right now of the 13 highest paid running backs in terms of average salary per year. And I'll name them Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Todd Gurley, Duke Johnson, and Giovanni Bernard. Those are the 13 highest paid running backs in the NFL. One of them made the playoffs last year. 12 of the 13 highest paid running backs did not make the playoffs. So that's just just goes to show you pay a running back a lot. That doesn't mean you're a good team. 
if you pay a quarterback a lot, that probably does mean you're a good team because that means you have a great quarterback and that's the best, you know, that's the most important position probably in sports. Derrick Henry was the yep. only running back who made the playoffs last year. So just just some food for thought there going forward. All right, are, next are you, question. Are you paying him, Matt? Matt, are you paying him? No, I am not. I don't, I don't think I have enough money to do that. Me either. Third right, we solved that problem. Yeah. <laughs> How glaring has the need for a wide receiver been during camp, or has it? From Clay E. Um, I think it's been a little glaring, only because Alan Lazard's supposed to be your number two, and I, listen, camp, naming camp standouts is tough, and it's a, it's a slippery slope because you never know what plays coaches are intentionally trying to run to get guys certain reps. And, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was certainly a standout during camp, and he could disappear once the regular season starts. Um, Alan Lazard had a quiet camp by by our accounts, and he could be great when the regular season starts. But I still think they need a guy who can take the top off of defense, whether that's Taylor Gabriel or whether it was a guy they should have drafted in the first round instead of a third-string quarterback. You know, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He's a top-five wide receiver in the league. But even after watching camp, I still think they, they're missing, you know, one little piece. And, and, you know, if they had a dynamic tight end, I probably wouldn't say that. But right. they have Robert Tanyan as their main pass-catching tight end. And, and he's not like a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey or someone that can double as a wide receiver. Yeah, um, you're you're counting on improvement from within, and it's not just the names that we all know. You know, this is something that Lafleur talked about even even going even going back to last year was the marrying of plays where all your plays look the same, and it makes the defense freeze for that half second. I mean, hell, it's the, it's the strategy that I use for my flag football teams. I hate to I hate to. I mean, you 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 make every play look the same. You make the defense sit there and try to figure out what's going on, and then you got a chance. And, and you know, maybe that's the hope for the Lazards and the MVSs of the world to to become. Legit difference makers. You're right. They're probably not good enough. They're not going to get better because I mean, who out, who out there on the streets going to make them better at this point? And I mean, there's nobody. So you're hoping that MVS had a good camp. You know, I didn't think he had a good camp last year. I, I was not buying it whatsoever. The hype of him being the number two, I, I didn't understand it whatsoever. I do kind of this year. I do think he's going to have a pretty good year because he seems to be more of a well-rounded player, but. I, I just think your best hope of, a, of those receivers is Aaron Jones and those guys having consistent success, and and, and Rodgers has a whole bunch of second and fives and third and twos um, where, where they get a lot of green lights to make some plays. I think that's the best hope because if you're counting on on these guys to win matchups on third and six and third and eight against legit competition, I, I'm not I'm not seeing it. I agree. Let's move on to a little uh, season prediction time. We'll do some quick hitting. One, two sentences, explanation to wrap this thing up. Um, we'll go record first, season record. I don't think they go 13-3 and three again. They have a much tougher schedule. You know, away games, you start at Minnesota. You st- and, and granted, home field advantage isn't the same thing this year, but you're at Tampa, you're at, you know, New Orleans. You have to play Tennessee this year. They got some tough teams on the schedule. I'll go 10-6. and six. I, I think they still... Uh, win the division, maybe in a tie break, but I, I still think they make the playoffs. Win the division, not as good as last year, but ten and six. Yeah, I totally agree with that. What is the over under, Matt? You would know nine. What, do you, think what, what do you? Hey, what do you mean by you would know? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, you know, the sources. Um, Nine. I, I, I think I, I would take over on that. Yeah. Of course, if I was a, if I was a gambling man, I would, uh, I would not be living in a, in my house. I would go over though. I, I understand the health and the close games thing, but I think there's room to actually improve. And I think Aaron Rodgers should be better for the reasons we talked about earlier. Um, turnovers, turnovers are something you can replicate. And they didn't force any fumbles last year, and I think they should probably be better at that with all the sacks. And you mentioned the road games. A, there's no fans, at least to start, and B, the home team won 52% of the games last year, league-wide. So I, I, I think that maybe that's a little bit overblown. So I, I will take the over on the nine, and I will, I will go 10. Team MVP. Last year, you could say it was Zarius Smith or Aaron Jones or maybe even Aaron Rodgers. This year, who is your team MVP? I'll go back to Rodgers. I am I am buying Aaron Rodgers. I, I believe Aaron Jones' production will go down a bit just because of A.J. Dillon. Um, and the defense has so many players on that front. I don't know if any one guy is going to put up Zadarius Smith domination. So I will go with the bounce back of Aaron Rodgers for the MVP. Yeah, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers as well. Something about me just says, you know, this guy is going to go off this season. Um, I would have said Devontae Adams, but... That's kind of tied into Aaron Rodgers' success. So I'll I'll go Rodgers as well. Uh, X-Factor. Biggest X-Factor. My answer is going to be Kevin King. And here's why. I think too often last year, Jair has a great game or Kevin has a great game. And the other guy is a little shaky. You know, against the Cowboys and the Chargers, uh, Jair played terribly. Kevin played well. Then against like the Lions and the Vikings, Jair plays really well. Kevin doesn't play as well. If they're both on the same page, they can be one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL. One of one of the best young cornerback duos in the NFL, I think. And you you expect Jair to be great week in and week out. If Kevin King can stay healthy again and be consistent in not giving up as many explosive plays, and he was a lot better at it last season, I think that this secondary could be in for some good things. Yeah, on Sirius, on I'm not I'm not sure if it was recorded Sunday or broadcast Sunday, but Rodgers was asked about um, the best cornerback. He said Kevin King. Um, that being said, my expector will be Tyler Irvin um, for reasons I don't think we're allowed to talk about in this particular podcast. Maybe next week. <laughs> and I think everyone can read into that. All right, two more biggest surprise. My biggest surprise. Hmm. I'm going to go Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think. I can be- see that. Because everyone's writing him off after last year, you know, five catches for 36 yards in his final 11 games, I believe it was. He totally fell off mm-hmm. the face of the earth. Everyone except himself says he lost his confidence. Um, I think he comes back and has a big year, quiets a bunch of people who say the Packers need better receiver depth besides him, uh, and I think he's the biggest surprise this year. That confidence thing is funny, Matt. <laughs> Everybody besides I mean, LaFleur, him. LaFleur, <laughs> Jason Vrabel, Rodgers, Gutekunst. Oh, oh, this guy just needs more confidence. Hey, MVS, <clears throat> every, everyone says you need more confidence, do you? He's like, no, no I don't. I, no, I've always been don't. really confident. Anyway, <laughs> your turn. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go back to Tyler Irvin for a second here for this one. In his first four years in the league, he's had like 20 touches on offense. It's remarkable that... A guy who's been not even an afterthought with prior teams, but a complete total no thought, seems to be a um, 
in position to be a real weapon on this team. And that, to me, is amazing. Everybody always talks about year two jumps, sometimes year three. Year five? But Tyler Urban, I think, is going to be a real factor in this thing. And lastly, bold prediction. Let's get bold. Maybe not Packers go 19-0 and win the Super Bowl. But give me, give me a bold prediction for this year. Um, that Robert Tanyan will become the tight end, not for the present, but for the future. I had a Jay Sternberger. Um, way ahead of Jay Sternberger. I think Robert Tanyan is the, <laughs> is the future at this position. I like that. My bold prediction is that we will see, and I hope everybody's in their seat, that we will see John Runyon Jr. starting at right tackle by season's end. Wow. And no, that's not just because I saw him in my building a couple minutes ago. <laughs> I think we, I mean, I, I just, and I'm, and I'm stuttering here because I'm trying to find the words to, to describe this right tackle situation. You know, Billy Turner and Rick Wagner, that's got to give me nightmares if I'm Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. It, it really does. And I think they're going to try and experiment with a couple of those guys, maybe Elton Jenkins for the season opener. Um, and by season's end, they'll just be like, listen, Runyon's showing us some good stuff in practice. Let's put him out at right tackle, put Elton Jenkins back at left guard. Will it happen? Probably not, but that's my bold prediction. That's pretty good. You know, with the Jenkins thing, I, you know, we don't have any idea what's going to happen here, but I hate the idea of moving him um, because A, he's not as good as Belaga was, which is fine, but B, now you're making left guard worse. So you're, it's like you're making yourself worse at two spots rather than one. I had a very wise old line coach tell me once upon a time, that if you have one bad lineman, you're okay because you can cover them. You, you, your other four can win single blocks and you can chip or do whatever you want for the one spot. I don't want to make other spots even worse. So, you know, and maybe you're right, Runyon. I know he wasn't seen as a tackle, but he played left tackle in a damn good football league and was really good at it. Yeah. Well, hey, that was an enjoyable first episode. I think uh, we'll be coming to you next Monday morning. So the morning after the Packers-Vikings game, two things will happen. There is going to be an angry mob outside Lambeau, or Packer fans will be buying their their tickets to Tampa. They're playing tickets to Tampa for the Super Bowl. I'm excited for the start of football. I'll be in Minnesota. I'm driving up Saturday night for the game. Uh, I know, Bill, you'll be back here. Probably smarter to save save the gas money, <laughs> but I just want to watch some live football, and, and I hope you guys will all follow along with us at Bill Huber SI on Twitter, at Matt Schneiman on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, please make sure to rate and subscribe, Head of the Pack, wherever you get your podcasts. And a last reminder, new subscribers to The Athletic can now get access for $1 a month. You can join at theathletic.com slash head of the pack. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.